All right, time for Brad Thomas as we get to the Belmont tomorrow. Brad, welcome. How are you? I'm great, Mike. How's it going? All right, what can you say that's uh, at least uh, not highly critical or at least somewhat complimentary about this field tomorrow? Well, I think it's a great betting race. I think it's very there you competitive. Go. So that's, uh, I mean, that's a good thing. Benning's finances, everybody's job in the game, so that's a good thing. Yeah, so it's an odd race, obviously. It's probably the least credentialed group we've seen at a Belmont, so it'll be interesting from that standpoint. Uh, uh, so uh, let's run down, because these are horses that nobody knows. You'll be the only one in the world that knows half of them. All right, Twisted Tom. Mikey's a big, roasty horse. He's improved with experience, dirt distance, and blinkers, but he simply never has performed in a manner that suggests he could be competitive in even this week, grade one. Still, trainer Chad Brown does not waste horses' starts. He clearly believes that more distance is this horse's friend. He has him fully cranked off 49 days of rest and buildup. And remember, looking at Leap before the Derby, Steve Asmussen, very shrewd, sharp trainer, always said distance will help this horse. Brown is saying the same thing with Twisted Tom. And he's a gelding, so this is no, let's take a shot and see if we can get him classic place as a stallion prospect either uh, type situation. Brown's triple crown horses always seem to run their race. They may not be good enough, but they fire. It's just a question of quality. In this week, Belmont Stakes, I think Twisted Tom has a chance to be underneath, believe it or not. Wow. Uh, Taprit has that typical Pletcher profile of a horse, and he has a habit of running sneaky good in this race. Yes, he does. In fact, uh, he's won it twice, uh, just missed last year right at the wire. Uh, all those races were with horses who had taken five weeks off from Kentucky Derby weekend to prepare for the Belmont. 35 days between starts, that's Pletcher's wheelhouse. Tappert developed nicely when he was well set up at Tampa Bay last winter versus a slight cup below the best, but then he regressed in the bluegrass and the Kentucky Derby when he came back on only four weeks of rest for the, set, for, for, for the second time and the third straight time. So he was coming back relatively quickly by the barn standards for those two dull races. And in the bluegrass, his consistent gait problem was especially acute. He likely threw him off his game right away. In the derby, Tapperett had some legitimate multiple, multiple trip problems as well. That uh, problem at the gate uh, rematerialized. That messed him up right at the start. And he actually ran sneaky gamely in the derby. Uh, he finished well on the very good inside portion of the track to finish sixth, only beating 10 in the quarter lengths. He beat 14 horses in the derby, and that's a good thing and a significant thing with that steady late run on the best part of the track. Now, Tapperett finally gets that five-week, 35-day timing sweet spot that really works for this outfit. His damned foals have handled middle distances okay, even though she was best sprinting. Now, I don't think a mile and a half is going to be Tapperett's best distance. In fact, I think it's beyond his actual limit. But again, it's beyond everybody's limit in this race for the most part. Tapperett is cycling back to his A-race from a speed figure standpoint. I think he has a win chance. He's a must, as exotics used for me, out of respect for the barn. He does need a clean start, though, something that, often, that he often fails at getting. Even going a mile and a half, don't let anyone say the start's not important because he's going to try to get decent mid-pack position. If he breaks slowly, you don't want to expend yourself early going a mile and a half. All right, um, Gormley, who comes from the Derby again, San Diego Derby winner. How about Gormley? 
He changed the style. He rated in the Santa Anita Derby, got a near-perfect setup and trip. The rating made all the difference. He got up late over a very hard-used battle of Midway, who then ran a very good but well-beaten third in the Kentucky Derby. In Louisville himself, Gormley was hung wide throughout, lost ground also against an inside grain. He made a good middle move, really a nice middle move before he flattened out. He's a relatively small horse. His forte is well-timed acceleration, though, rather than power galloping. He really is not ideally suited for Belmont Park's vastness. It's a galloper's course or a mile and a half distance, which is a galloper's distance. And his pedigree, especially the maternal side, supports that theory. Now, I always respect John Sheriff, his trainer, when he sponsors horses aggressively. But perhaps Gormley's aging ownership's New York roots played a factor in this placement. And I would not be surprised if this is this Colt's final dirt start before he embarks on a very successful middle-distance turf career. I think this is a real good potential turf horse. All right, J-Boys Echo, who uh, Romans told me, uh, he was just here a minute ago, that he thinks is going to run very well tomorrow. Well, I always respect Dale Romans in an aggressive spot like this, but uh, I know some people like this horse. I just really don't see it. He was bumped off his game at the start of the Derby, but he did very little running. Indeed, he's done very little running in most of his top-quality stake starts. He ran one super race. It was with a perfect set of trip. It came in the mile of the 16th Gotham when he handily defeated the much less experienced and much tougher trip cloud computing, who only had one start, a six-prolong race, was stretching out the two turns off only one race the foundation, was giving away everything in terms of seasoning and conditioning of J-Boy's Echo. Now, cloud computing, of course, came back two races later, needed everything his own to go his way to just get up in the Preakness. Now, J-Boy's Echo was originally slotted to run in three-year-old division B races after the Derby. That's where he was going to go. He only now is coming to New York, I believe, because of so many of the top gun defections. He gets a little mile and a half support from his maternal side. I don't like his style, which I think is going to have him in the game earlier than he needs to be to be able to finish well. I'm only going to use him deep underneath on my all tickets, just because anybody can be third and fourth in this race, and the trainer does have a very good record at performing a top-quality contest. All right, Hollywood Handsome, which is Dallas Stewart, who throws a lot of big favorites, especially into the second spot, a lot of big long shots into the second spot, but that's usually in the Derby. Uh, how about Hollywood Handsome? Well, trainer Stewart, as you mentioned, Mike, is absolutely expert at picking up triple crown pieces with limited horses. And he smells opportunity here in a weak field. Hollywood Hanson was going to run. He wasn't going to run. He was going to run. That's because Stewart smells weakness. Now, this horse fooled me. When he debuted at Keeneland last year, I thought he had the potential to be a major horse. But he's failed to live up to my expectations. His best races aren't good enough, and his pedigree and performances suggest a mile and a mile and a sixteenth are his absolute wheelhouses. Now, I'll use him deep underneath. Just like I'll use J-Boy's Echo deep underneath out of respect for the connections and because anybody can be fourth, certainly, and even third in this type of, in this type of race. Looking at Lee has made the dances, has run second in the Derby, fourth in the Preakness. How about looking at Lee tomorrow? Oh, he's one of my favorite horses. He's wonderfully consistent. He's an honest colt who has raced 11 times in his career, which is way more than anyone else in this field. He's gotten better through hard campaigning and with both tougher competition and more distance. And I really credit trainer Steve Asmussen for proving that modern thoroughbreds do not need to be coddled like they are lapdog poodles 
and they can actually thrive when they're treated as true frequent performance athletes. And that's what looking at Lee is. He's had to work hard and grind hard, and he's gotten better. He did get a super perfect inside trip in the Sloppy Seal Derby, but he had to move earlier and go wide in the Preakness. Still, he ran his race in Baltimore, I thought, but he was somewhat exposed on ability as the best he could do despite the good pace setup on the Harrow strip. I really think the wet track helped him in Kentucky. The best he could do in Pimlico was to be a well-beaten fourth. Now, neither side of his pedigree screams a mile and a half to me. And at this stage of the season, I think other horses in this crop have demonstrated more ability and or have more upside to really move forward. I'm going to use looking at lead defensively in the top slot on some tickets, not a whole lot, but I'm really going to weigh him primarily underneath. I think there's a chance he finally doesn't fire. Even if he does, I don't think he's good enough. Irish Warcry. This horse is an in-and-out horse form-wise. He has a great race. He has a bad race. He comes back with a great race. He's due to be back in form here with his A race, if that pattern holds true. His poor performance is in the Fountain of Youth and Kentucky Derby. Both came off 28-day respites. His truly grade one quality races in the Holy Bowl and the Wood Memorial came with the same 35 days between starts that he gets here. And believe me, in modern American thoroughbred racing, the extra seven days makes a difference. Indeed, Irish war cries stalk Townsend then still finished strongly, even when wide against an inside grain would win. Was the second best three-year-old performance of the year after Always Dreaming's Derby. It was one of the few legitimate, strong, strong grade one races we've seen out of this crop. And it would be more than good enough to win here if Irish war cry can duplicate it going three furlongs farther. Now that's the question. His immediate damn side is soft on stamina though it does get better further back. But his sire, Curlin, is the foremost progenitor of stamina in United States dirt breeding today. I think Irish Warcry has a humongous win chance, but I think he's going to be a clear and decisive favorite, and the risk-reward is not going to be there keying on him. A soft pace, even though it might be more contentious than some people think, a soft pace is going to help him because that'll get him in rhythm, and he's better than the horses who are going to be up on the pace for the most part. So if he can stay, it's really his race to lose, I believe. All right, senior investment. This is a horse I really liked as he's developed, and I'm really kicking myself. I'm still kicking myself for not respecting him more in the Preakness, where he really could have cost me money if I had been right at the top of the tickets. Fortunately for me, I was wrong, so I, I don't have to kick myself harder. He did not fire a few starts back in the Louisiana Derby. Maybe he did not like being inside. Perhaps he does best with less time between starts. But in his other pre-preakness efforts against decent second-level fields, he demonstrated the ability to make a big move and then to kick on strongly again in deep stretch with a powerful second surge. Senior investment was shuffled at a critical time on the second turn of the Preakness when Licklinant Lee beat him to the punch. But then he recovered, swung wide, and sustained a good run to get up for third, beating that rival. The overall quality of his effort in the Preakness moved forward significantly on the stretch to a classic distance, something that you simply don't see often with modern thoroughbreds. I wish he was stouter on the sire side, but his deputy minister line, Dam, was a hickory router who consistently has thrown distance prowess. 
the full field and the in-the-mix proclivity of some of this race's key contenders could help compensate for this horse's deep closing style, which generally is not the right fit for this race. But jockey Channing Hill was based at Belmont as a young rider. He knows the course. And trainer Ken McPeak won at Belmont with a horse whose PP profile was somewhat similar. Senior investment, along with Epicaris, is a rare 2017 thoroughbred who might actually have upside stretching out to a mile and a half. He is a major win threat to me, especially if he manages to pass some horses on the backstretch and doesn't have to sweep by the whole field in the final five-eighths of a mile. Meantime. He really blossomed big time with two races of foundation when he stretched out the two turns and all the way to a mile and eighth. Now, he's a son of the very high-quality, long, middle-distance speed galloper, Shacklefoot. He took after a sire. He relished the slower paces of route racing. And his PPs really illustrate a key general handicapping principle that just because a horse weakens in fast-paced sprints, it doesn't in any way mean, and that's no pun intended, that he can't go long when the fractions are slower in distance races. Meantime was worn down late, though, in the mile and eighth Peter Pan last time by Timeline, who I think is the best three-year-old in trainer Chad Brown's barn, and of course could be the sophomore star of the second half of the season, so there's no shame in that. But he was also being reeled in late for second by Roman's second or third stringer, Impressive Edge. The pace is going to be slower still in the Belmont. Maybe that's going to help Meantime even more. He should be on the lead. But in modern American thoroughbred racing now, nine furlongs is a much further cry than the mere three furlongs away from a mile and a half that the raw math indicates. The pedigree of Meantime doesn't work for me at this distance, and I think even being loose, even going relatively slowly, it's not going to be enough to get him home. All right. Uh, multiplier. He puts blinkers on for this race, which is a move I really like earlier in the three-year-old season before these horses have really established a real two-turn style. Uh, and blinkers on going out, stretching out to a mile and a half. We'll see how that works. This horse, though, has paired up top figures in his last two. And literal speed figure orthodoxy could have him leaping forward here with an even bigger effort. He chugged along gamely in the Preakness where he had a pretty good inside-out trip before some fairly minor relative to the problems of some of the other stretch traffic. Even without that stretch traffic, I don't think he was beating the very wide looking at Lee for fourth. And he only finished three-quarters of a length in front of the absolutely no-chance journey Conquest Mo Money, who just you know, had a horrendous uh, trip from start to finish. Multiplier is best at the one-mile distance sire of the Practor. The factor produces horses who can run further than he could. So these horses by that sire do outrun their pedigrees. But this horse's dam is all sprint, even with two-time arc winner alleged as her dam sire. I think Multiplier has run further than his pedigree says he should already, and I think this is going to be just a distance too far. I'm only going to use him defensively underneath. All right, the Japanese horse, Epicaris, who evidently has got some kind of uh, injury and not even is not even a sure starter tomorrow now. This is, horse was an enigma before the injury, or whatever it is, uh, even more so now. Uh, we'll get to that later. But Japanese racing is really, really good. Every year it produces a legitimate arc contender. This horse is about as well-bred for a mile and a half on both sides of his pedigree as a modern horse can be. And even though he's making his second very long trip of the season, 
He has plenty of rest for this race, which is his third start of 2017. He was ultra-game on the tiring surface in the Marlins 316 UAE Derby last time when he was just nailed late by the very high-class but perhaps turf-preferring Thunder Snow. Now, Thunder Snow's bad behavior after the start of the Kentucky Derby is meaningless in measuring Epicaris. Epicaris, it means nothing. Still, in Asia, Epicaris only beat the Pletcher third-rater master plan by a length and a quarter. And that one ran poorly subsequently in the Peter Pan. But this field is second-rate, as we've talked, I've talked about. And the Belmont is all about getting the mile and a half when it comes down to it. Epicaris is well-posted. He's going to get a good pace-pressing position, clear, a too-much kickback. Foreign horses have a much better record in the Belmont than any other Triple Crown contest. A fully at his best, Epicaris, would be one of the likeliest winners of this race to me because of what I believe to be his distance prowess from what I've seen in his races and what I know about his pedigree. But a foot issue going a mile and a half off a 77-day layoff on a dirt track that requires bounce in the step. When you slip and slide on dirt, you have to be able to power and bounce up off of it to get into the next stride. If you have a foot issue, every time you do that, you're going to pay the price. So I don't think a foot issue is never a good thing, and especially bad thing at Belmont in the Belmont. I'm not going to get beaten by Epicaris, but I'm scaling down the extent of my positions on him in the exotic slots. If he's there and my other horses are there, I'll cash. I just won't cash as much as I would have otherwise because the foot thing bothers me. All right, and last, Patch. He wasn't going anywhere in the Derby when he encountered his trouble, and he went backwards overall in that race after pairing up in a weak Louisiana Derby. He did wear down Belmont Foe meantime on the square a second time out when the latter had left foundation as a first or going a one-term mile at Gulfstream. Now, Patch does have a Belmont winning pedigree on both sides. He has a tactical grinding style that could work at the mile-and-a-half distance. Still, his actual quality is an issue. He's a homebred. I think his entry here for an outfit that stands its own stallions seems like a reach to me in hopes of a stallion making monumental upset or even a placing. As I've said, anybody can be fourth, even third. So I will all some tickets deep underneath, and he'll be included there. But I just don't see this horse. All right. Now, uh, it sounds like your likeliest winner for value is senior investments. So how do you like the race? Value-wise, senior investment, I think Irish Warcry is the likeliest winner. Taprit might be second, senior investment third, Epicaris fourth. I would have had Epicaris second uh, or even as the likeliest winner if it wasn't for the foot problem. The way I'm playing it is senior investment to be there at a price. I'm really going to score if one or more of the following are there along with him in any slot. Taprit, Irish Warcry, Epicaris, looking at late. If those four horses fill all the slots around senior investment, then I'm really going to do well. And I'm going to weigh it with the priority on senior investment and on Taprit as my two major, major keys. Thanks, Brad, very much. Enjoyed having you on. Thank you. Thanks, guys. Good luck. All right. Brad Thomas.